Welcome to the Lore Ladies, two bookish besties working in the animation industry. We are your hosts, Laura and Lauren, known collectively as the Lores. Join us as we talk all things nerdy and entertainment. We discuss books, movies, animated shows, and we'll have occasional guest stars such as talented folks from our industry and authors of your next favorite book. Laura, welcome back for episode seven. What do you think this uh, sweetness rating should be today? Oh man, episode seven sweetness rating. I think we should rate this like a caramel scotch candy. You know, something that's kind of like rustic and you just pop it in your mouth and you don't have to use a fork. It's just good. And like you can't chew it because that's not the point. You just have to savor it. I think that scaramel, caramel, 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 a caramel scotch candy rating. I like it. And, you know, because if you think about it, how long it takes to write a book and work Mm. on all these drafts, it's about savoring the process. It's a lot of caramels. Yeah. (laughs) Gonna need a couple of bags. (laughs) Uh, What are you reading now? Oh, man, what am I reading? Um, I am currently re-listening to all of the Harry Potter audiobooks, uh, just because they're such a joy and I love them and they are my safe space. Um, as far as books that I'm reading, um, oh, the new Brandon Sanderson came out, uh, Rhythm of War. And uh, it is a honking book of like, I don't know, like two Bible sizes. And uh, I started reading it and I realized I didn't remember anything. So I'm going back and reading the book before that, the third book in the series called Oathbringer, so that after I finish that, what feels like 1,500 pages, um, I can move on to the new book. But uh, Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson, amazing book series and really good. Just lots of characters. It's like Game of Thrones. I just like, who is this one? What happened? There's a flashback. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I love him. He's one of my favorite authors. Uh, How about you, Lauren? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Brandon Sanderson is so great. He's one of my favorites as well. But it does not surprise me that it's a honkin' book because that seems to be his jam. He can write these just ginormous books with a lot going on. His word count is crazy. From what I heard, like when he wrote the first book in this series, he wrote over 400,000 words just in world building that didn't even make it in the story. And I was just like, like he's like fast fingers. Like a ninja. He's ninja yeah. hands. <laughs> Maybe he's like Fry, you know? <laughs> like he traded hands with, with the devil and he's got devil bender robot fingers where he can type. <laughs> so fast. Oh, it's incredible. He's always working on like five things. It's um, goals, life goals. Yeah. Uh, what are you reading? Uh, you know, sadly, I have to admit, I'm still not reading anything, but I'm actually going to be getting a book today. I'm getting The Secret Life of Addie LaRue. <gasps> so adding good. It to my, I'm so excited. Yes. I've just been so busy with the final push. Veilborn being out in the world and also the novella, Plight of the Sereni, which is a prequel novella. So don't you dare read it before the first mm. book. It'll, It'll ruin stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, you could. It, you could read it. but just a little um, bit. I really don't suggest no. it. So yeah. 
so yeah, they're they're both um, going to be available for pre-order on December first. So just the amount of stuff that goes into the last phase of things moving forward has been a lot. But um, fortunately, I'm I'm pretty much done now. I think. Oh, knock on wood. I know. Um, oh, I know. Totally knock on wood. I probably shouldn't have said that. I did knock on wood just now for the listeners around the world that can't see me. I knocked on wood. Yeah. I wonder if that's like a custom internationally or if that's just an American custom knocking on wood. Maybe someone uh, international is like, question. why would you knock on wood? It's like... Yeah, please. International friends, message us on Instagram and tell us if we're crazy for knocking on wood. Or do you do that also? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, so interesting. Well, I am so excited for you and for Veilborn. You are reading. You're reading your pre-orders. Uh, <laughs> uh, so listeners, like, if you're listening to this, you obviously like us. So you have to like her book and you have to pre-order it because it's not super expensive and you're supporting independent authors, which is so important in the crazy world we're in. So uh, if you pre-ordered the book already, also let us know because that would be super fun. And maybe we'll do some sort of like sweepstakes sometime. Who knows? Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm just like, I'm just like volunteering that. your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> okay. it. Yeah. For this episode, we're going to be talking with Jeff Pollock and discussing his book, The First Second Coming. So Jeff, welcome to the Lore Ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Happy to be here. You're you officially on. our first guest, which is so uh, exciting. Yay. <laughs> so today we wanted to, to talk about um, our reasons why we wanted to write the books that we write. Um, everybody has their own reasons for writing those that love to write. And I think that it's a very important um, backbone for a story, for your reasonings, for what it was that compelled you to write this story. So Jeff, tell me a bit about The First Second Coming. Why did you want to write the story that you wrote? Well, I think, um, I sort of think it, it the, the story found me rather than the other way around uh, because it derives from 9-11 and um, a random thought that, came to mind as I was watching the World Trade Towers fall, which was that um, uh, the thought was that I should, that the earth should have a new God, the kind of God who is a planetary turnaround special. Most random to me also pretty, pretty much immediately, you know, in one ear and out the other sort of thing. This one stuck around. And uh, I didn't know it was sticking around, but um, 14 years later, when I was looking at retirement, uh, or at least considering when I when that would be, um, I decided to write fiction just as a hobby, and uh, sat down at my computer like I am right now and started to see if I anything inspired me, and the story just came out. Uh, I had the name of both of my main characters. I had their backstory. I had a rudimentary plot. I had three different types of endings. And all of this just flew, 
float out of me in two hours and I'm just sitting here, you know, preparing, getting as much of it as I can on screen so that I wouldn't forget it. And that was the genesis of the, uh, of the book. And uh, once I had that much information about it, it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So it's my very first book. I don't have even a short story that I've written before that. Um, and uh, it's gone all the way to publication and to um, uh, a book award. Congratulations. Just very strange. That's very so cool. strange. Very exciting to hear about your book reward. Tell us a bit about that. Um, Literary Titan Magazine is a magazine that um, does book reviews for authors and also, when appropriate, grants awards for, for books that are that they believe is well done. So First Second Coming was published in August. Uh, I submitted to Literary uh, Titan to get a review. Um, they gave me a five-star review and they indicated that they would be submitting this to their editorial board to for consideration for uh, one of their awards, their silver award or their gold award, uh, the gold award being, being more prestigious in their view. Uh, and that's what they wound up giving me on election day. I got the news that, um, uh, that I had been elected, I guess, a gold award. Uh, and uh, I was really surprised because, you know, this isn't supposed to happen just like this. Um, uh, debut author, authors aren't supposed to get um, the first books published necessarily. They aren't supposed to get awards three three months after publication. Um, so it, it's just it's it's still when I think about it, it's still kind of shocking to me that that this is actually all happening. But it it is happening. It did happen. Um, I've got the little the little award symbol up on the cover of the book now and. Uh, um, it's just, you know, I'm happy to see that, it, that all of that has happened, but it really wasn't what I was expecting to do. I wasn't expect, I was just doing this for hobby and all of this other stuff has happened. That's very exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank you. So, um, so it's been, a, it's been a fun ride. All unexpected that, you know, it, Having never done, uh, written a book before, having never published a book before, it was a journey that was um, f full of all sorts of surprises and um, unexpected things. And uh, this is just the end of it. But uh, the whole journey was full of things that I wouldn't <laughs> have anticipated. You know, I, I'm both of you probably with your own books have probably spoken to your fictional characters or had mm -hmm. them talking to you. Uh, I wasn't. Or expecting. had them not listening. <laughs> <laughs> As the case may be, depending on the character, I guess. But um, the first, the first time that um, Brenda Lee, my female main character, started talking to me. Uh, was kind of shocking because, you know, I'm not female and I'm not Latina. Um, and there she was in my head. And I'm not used to having other people <laughs> in my head. Uh, 
<laughs> I was like, what is going on here? But uh, we, we got to be good friends once she stopped waking me up at four in the morning to get the next chapter started. I always feel like that's like <laughs> such like the most exciting part for me as well of writing is like when the characters tell you what they're doing or really come alive off the page, um, then you know that I feel like no matter what, like that itself is a huge accomplishment, you know? I completely agree with you. I completely, I mean, you have, you have to know the characters, I think very well to be able to have that mm -hmm. kind of connection with them. Um, I don't have it with Ram, <laughs> my other character. He's, he has not spoken to me. Um, uh, but uh, Brenda Lee incessantly talks to me. So, um, yeah. Having read the book myself, I can totally see that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot more extroverted than Ram is. Part of it, yeah. <laughs> direct. She's pretty direct. She demands yeah, she's, attention. She, she, she tells you what's on her mind. Yeah. Whether you, whether you want to know about it or not. <laughs> But I, I think that having the book come to life is um, is a reflection on the fact that you did have a very strong reason for writing it. You had a very impactful thing that affected many people um, that drove you to have this idea. And I think that that's important to uh, to get across is that there needs to be a, a, a really good reason that you wrote the book. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I agree with, with that. Uh, I, I certainly felt compelled um, once I started writing it to really make it a priority. And, you know, obviously I was working for most of that time I was writing it. So um, it's not like I can go up to the judge and say, you know, can you move this trial date so that I can write my book? Because that's not <laughs> going to go anywhere. Uh, but uh around whatever I had to do in terms of my work, I would spend whatever spare time I had doing the writing and um, basically just religious, religiously, you know, going at it. And I wound up with um, nine drafts of the book. I wound up with, uh, I think it was 15 or 16 different first <laughs> chapters. Um, the first I, chapters, I, mean, I, yeah. I could not get, you know, it's so important, um, and I had to get it right. And I, I, I kept trying, and I could see what was missing, but I couldn't get get you know, it's kind of a square hole in a in a or, or a square peg in a round hole type of a mm -hmm. situation where it just wasn't the way it needed to be, no matter how I tried to write it. Until I got through, until about the fifteenth or sixteenth try, and it finally, it finally worked. But that's a huge thing of not giving up and not just being like, "Well, this like throwing it aside for a while," and you're like, "No, I don't want to do this anymore." Like you got, you found it, you know, and it took a while, but like that, that was all part of the process, and that's, you know, that's awesome that you kept at it. Yeah, and and it was it was kind of funny the way it happened too because. Um, uh, a friend of mine who's a, um, a YA romance writer um, sat down with me and, and we were talking about the problems I was having with the first chapter. And he said, well, why don't you just try and exercise? Just take whatever book you're reading, write in the style of the author of that book. 
and just write at first, just write what you would think to be a first chapter or a short story in that person's style. So I was reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which if you've mm -hmm. ever read it, you know, Douglas Adams has a very, very unique style of writing. So I was trying to write in his style and I did, I, I wound up with a short story and, you know, I didn't do anything with it, but I, I wrote it. And after I'd gotten through, I don't know, 14 or 15 of the first chapters, I was like, wait a minute, if I just make some changes to that short story and fit it a little bit into this book, this could serve as a first chapter. And, you know, it made perfect sense because you have, you know, you have a new God showing up on earth, taking over for the retired New Testament God. So why not ha start with the handoff where the, the new guy is in and the old guy is mm -hmm. leaving and they talk to each other about what's going on and what the situation down here is. And they do it in a Douglas Adams style. That sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah. I can I can attest to that first chapter because I really loved the imagery in it and just the idea of yeah, it. It's like changing of the guards, fantastic. but changing of the gods like a that's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was that was what the title of the searcher was a changing of the gods, um, as opposed to guards. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Apropos. <laughs> so it worked. It worked. It, and a lot of the reviews that I've gotten have, you know, have indicated that, you know, from the first story on that uh, the readers were, were hooked. Um, so it just it just took a lot of perseverance to get it right. But it, at least it did. Amazing. Lauren, I'm yeah. curious about you. Same question. Um, you and Veilborn, congratulations. It's officially up for pre-order now. Yay. I'm snapping. The world can't see me, but I'm snapping. Um, what drove you to write your book? Like, what was your drive? Uh, yeah, um, I was visiting my parents. I, I grew up on a, a, a ranch in Southern California. And uh, I was thinking about, because I really wanted to write a story that meant something to me. And I was thinking about what happens to a young person, like a, a teenager or a young adult, when a trauma happens and it inherently changes their direction of what they intended to do with their future. Because that, um, that crux of when you're leaving high school and going to college and you're given the impression that you're supposed to know exactly what you're doing with yourself. Um, and that was a huge time in my life where I was um, under a lot of pressure. I was supposed to be going away to veterinary school. Um, something bad happened. We had a wildfire. And um, a lot of things, just everything changed. And when I got older and looked back on that, I realized that my misunderstanding of I was supposed to know everything really um, hampered my moving forward. And um, so I wanted to tell a story of what happens when you change your direction, what happens when you don't know, and you start to go through life in a way that you didn't expect. But it's a fantasy and it's not a realistic uh, telling of what happens when you change your direction in any, in any, it's not means, realistic, but 
It's, I mean, usually when, yeah, uh, I'm going to change my major and end up in a magical realm. I mean, that's not usually the, 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 uh, the options on <laughs> class registration. But you know, sometimes when you, when you write a fantasy like that, you're, you're giving your intended readers the opportunity to see in a non-challenging way what what you're getting at and so it stands in for reality but the the reality is understood by the reader uh and it can be very effective that way i totally agree i um for myself i um i kind of processed that by writing the book i dealt with an old wound of mine of you know hey these things happened and you didn't end up becoming this thing that you thought you were going to do you did something completely different and that's totally fine. That is what life is about. Life is about the journey. There's no possible way you could really know exactly what you're going to become at 17 years old. Maybe you have a really strong inclination and maybe some people do. Um, and if you do, that's wonderful. But I would say that the strong percentage of young adults really don't. And that was the message that I wanted to convey. It's all about self-discovery and finding out who you are as you make your way through the world, whatever world that may be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It, and at that age, it's just impossible um, to, to have that kind of foreknowledge unless you have some sort of really standout talent that um, is just a freak of nature or Prodigy of or some sort, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you think about what, what are the chances of Smokey Robinson, Diana Ross, and um, Aretha Franklin living within three blocks of each other in um, Detroit uh, at the same time. Uh, and the three of them getting together and just as their kids and just kind of practicing their singing and all of the rest of that. And they come up and they become what they became. Um, that is so... Um, unusual, I was going to say unfair almost, but <laughs> unusual. Uh, you know, it, life doesn't happen that way, except if you happen to be those three people on that those three streets. Um, so, you know, you're 17, you, you've not given any thought to what you're going to be when you're an adult. It's beyond your horizon to be thinking that broadly and that far in, in the future. And um, you wind up eventually having to come to grips with who are you going to be as an adult without having really any uh, preconceptions or, 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 or assistance maybe in figuring that out. Um, and that's a tough, that's a tough thing. And a lot of people don't, don't get there at all. Um, and, you know, Lauren, you've, you've come up with a tremendous career and you've got a, a talent that wouldn't um, have, shown itself if you had been in veterinarian school. Um, so um, however that wildfire was and however traumatic it was, it set you on the right road as opposed to setting you on another road. Yeah, I agree. Um, that, And that's a strong reason that I wanted to tell that story is that a change in path doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Um, I couldn't have foreseen what I would become. 
Uh, and looking back on that, my vision, my scope of vision at that age was so narrow. I just, I, even though I was a very imaginative person, I couldn't possibly imagine where I would end up. And I feel like a lot of pressure needs to be taken off of young people so that they can figure out who they are. But my, my main character is actually older. So it's, you know, what happens when you haven't done anything for a few years, you know, you don't make the decision and then just kind of keep going. So she's actually 21. So this has been several years Waiting. of just kind of <laughs> swimming along. Yeah. Just, just not doing that other thing, but not doing anything else either. Yeah. Finding, finding yourself can, uh, can, can take all sorts of time. Uh, and, um, it's fortunate for you that you were able to get that um, that enlightenment, um, you know, when you did uh, instead of the veterinarian uh, thing, because you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be here today doing what you're doing. You wouldn't have the novel out necessarily. Uh, it wouldn't be the one that you have out certainly. Um, and um, you know things are working out very very well for you, and um, I'm, I'm I, I, glad to see that and hear that. Uh, you know, we've known each other now a little bit. Um, uh, you're you're just uh, you're, and uh, I wish all the best for you and for your oh. book. Well, um, my Laura, reason is not as deep as your guys's at it all. Was. I just wanted to write a book. Um, why I did this, my reason is not as good as your guys's reasons, uh, <laughs> uh, nor as altruistic. Um, I just have a big love of books, and I was like, I want to write a book. Um, <laughs> so no real purpose for me besides just like the joy of the genre. Um, my first draft was an absolute mess because of that. I didn't really have any clue as to what I wanted to write, what my theme was. And my first draft ended up just being like five books, like combined into one with like every possible trope. You know, there is is just so much going on. But um, the fun part of that is was I was able to pick what I liked best from that and like extract a new draft with just like one of those five themes um but but yeah i mean more than anything my real point in writing my novel just has been the the love of the craft you know um what keeps me going and though i've been a lot slower at this <laughs> pace wise than uh, lauren and you i'm sure i've been working on my novel for three years and i'm about 50 percent through my third draft so like it's a slow process for me but uh it's just been the process itself that i've really come to love it's the the characters like you said when the characters start writing themselves and like, I had this plan that they were going to do this, but all of a sudden I get in a flow and they go and do that. And I'm like, well, I can't change them because that's who they are. But how do I bring events in the world to bring them back to this other place? Because that's the plot. Um, so it's just kind of like, um, it was just the fun. It's like a puzzle, you know? Um, and the fact that 
all of this could just happen in my head and then on a piece of paper is incredible to me. Um, I never wrote ever before. I, I would even say I'm not a good writer um, before this. I would I've gotten disagree. much better. I'm practicing now. But uh, before all this, I never wrote at all. So uh, it's been a huge learning process and really exciting. And, you know, even though I don't have an important message I'm really trying to get across, um, like personally, my book obviously has a theme. Um, but you know, I've just been enjoying the process. Maybe that's why it's taking longer. It's just because I'm enjoying it so much. And I'm like, yeah, this is the reason I'm doing it. So I'm just going to like string it out. But uh, it's really fun. And my theme, just because you guys all talked about the themes of your book, really is kind of like a play. I'd say a play on morality. I love kind of the gray area between like good and evil or like bad guys doing the wrong thing for the right reasons and kind of this this idea of who's good and who's evil and is that real and it's all based on your perspective um and i've always just found that fascinating in books in general i tend to always gravitate towards the villains and like the really well written villains because i find them more compelling and usually they have really kind of complicated cool backstories and uh inner turmoil uh, so that's kind of been like the moral compass of my book, but that's great. That's great. Uh, you know, three years isn't going to, I mean, it, it, <laughs> it takes a while, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's not like you're writing a, you know, an essay for your a class <laughs> uh, you know, teacher, uh, that, you know, you can do in, 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 a, yeah. in a, um, yeah. And but, I, I've, trying to do epic fantasy for my first novel probably is a little difficult, you know, so. <laughs> but seeing, I mean, because I've read all of your drafts and I've um, been like a sidecar through the process with you and watching the character develop has just been the most amazing thing because I'm watching her grow and become who she is. So it really is an achievement regardless of what percentage the draft is at it's it has taken on a whole world and you can see the struggles of like well where is she figuring out where she lands in the world and how does she move through it yeah it's it's a uh, it's tremendous and you know epic fantasy isn't exactly an easy thing to do and yeah you might you might not wind up with an epic fantasy <laughs> at the end of the journey of yours. I mean, I, yeah. I started off with my book. I thought I was writing magical realism. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember you and, commented on yeah, that. I, that's what I thought I was doing. And then somewhere in like the third or fourth draft, I realized I can't be doing that because one of the components of magical realism isn't in the book. Um, and by that time, Brindley was talking to me and you know, she kind of had the hots for Ram, uh, <laughs> and it turned into a romance uh, novel with suspense, and uh, you know, God made it a supernatural. So I call it supernatural romantic suspense. Ooh, I like it. With with theology added in, okay. and so um, so I don't have an, I don't have a genre. I mean, I just have a mix of different things, um, and. I wasn't expecting romance to be part of that. I never even read a romance novel at that point. 
And now you wrote one. Now I wrote one, yeah. And, okay. You know, and, you know, it's like, okay, okay, fine. Whatever it is, it is. You know, we'll see what the next one is. Um, but I mean, uh, but it's great to be adaptable because, like, you could have tried to corral it back and like pull it back and then like I feel like anyone who tries to do that it kind of just kills something in the book you can usually tell when they try to like pull and rein stuff in that this momentum that had been building just like all of a sudden shifts um so yeah I'm super happy you decided to just go with it and listen to your character and embrace the romance yeah it it was it was um and once Brindley started talking to me, it was a whole different world because the plot had, like you were saying, the plot had its, you know, its different steps. Each chapter had a different thing. And now with Brindley telling me what's going on, I'm now, I'm not a writer anymore. I'm just a transcriber, you know. Uh, oh, I love that. I got to write that down. You're just a transcriber. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm taking what she's telling me is happening and I'm writing it in, you know, as, as she ta tells it to me. So I'm just transcribing the, the action. <laughs> Um, and, and it turned into this, it turned into this. I love it. Laura actually yeah, is writing this down right now. <laughs> I can see her on video. Everyone around the world can't see it, but I'm watching <laughs> yeah. her right there. <laughs> because it's true. Um, you know, when the characters actually have life breathed into them, they take on their own, their own lives and they start to do things. You know, I had points in my book where, I intended for something to happen and they did something different and I was just writing to keep up with them. And I'm like, you know, typing as fast as I can going, what are you guys doing? This is not what you're supposed to do. Um, but then, you know, it's all about, okay, well, like Laura was saying, what do I have to do to get to the next intended marker? And sometimes that intended plot point marker shifts and it's all about being, uh, adaptable enough or you know fluid enough with your story to let it do those things to go on the i always like to compare them. it to the people out there who are like dungeons and dragons nerds i'm gonna get nerdy for a second it's like dungeons and dragons when you are the person leading the adventure you have the whole plot it's very much the same thing you have the whole thing in your head but as players players can do whatever they want they're like i'm not gonna fight that dragon i'm gonna run away and go over there but like a good person running the game, still make sure you hit you hit the monsters no matter where you go. Um, and like, obviously I come from playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so it's so similar, just storytelling and uh, characters. It's, it's incredible how, just how fun it is. Yeah, be a good dungeon master. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I've ever played the game, but uh, but I totally get what you're saying. Uh, and you know, so many unusual things happen um, that you know. After a while, you get sort of you expect unusual things to happen, but I mean, really, really unusual things happen. Um, the the most unusual for me was probably this. It, it one of my one of my chapters has. Um, uh, speeches that are that are excerpts of speeches. So there's an excerpt from Dalai Lama. There's an excerpt from John Kennedy. There's an excerpt from Martin Luther King. There's an excerpt from um, 
Swami Vivekananda, uh, who was a uh, who was part of the first World Parliament of Religion back in 1892, um, and so he's there. And after I wrote that chapter, uh, I was attending a writers conference at um, Southern California Writers Conference that I always attend. And during the Saturday night banquet, a gal sat down next to me and we started chatting and she was giving <laughs> me her whole very, very unusual, uh, very unique backstory. Uh, you know, she grew up in Hawaii. She married a Croatian. They were living together in the middle of the um, civil war that was going on there. I mean, she had she had some quite a bit going. We became friends and a month uh, probably more like three months after this, um, she had posted something on Facebook and, and a friend of hers had passed away and she was grieving about it. So I called her and I just thought I would, you know, kind of help her through it a little bit. And so we got to talking again and this guy that had passed away, who was her friend, had been a co-founder of the second World Parliament of Parliament of World's Religions. And I was like, I didn't know that still existed. This was back in 1892. Well, you know, the 1892 thing was a one-off. And then 100 years later, they started so a new one. And this guy was one of the co-founders of that. And, you know, you don't expect that. I mean, you know, I wound up, she wound up telling me that the next parliament was going to be in a few more months in Toronto. And, you know, Jeff, you really should go and just check it out. So, sure, I went. And so I'm, I'm, there are 8,000 people attending this in the Toronto Convention Center. And it's an interfaith movement um, gathering. So I'm sitting, I'm able, you know, seven days, I could talk to anybody I want to. And so I'm talking to all these people of all these different religions, getting more input from them as to, day-to-day -day religious things, how they view <laughs> things, what they think of my book, which involves 39 different religions. And it was so valuable. Uh, I mean, very not a whole lot of it made it into the book, but part of it did. And it just, it, it enriched the book tremendously. But how do you, how do you get <laughs> from this chance mm -hmm. banquet conversation with something you've already written into your book before you even met this girl. It just. It's the gods. There, there's no way to explain this. You know? Strange cosmos. Oh, that's. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's just, and that's just, mm -hmm. a, that's just one of several things like that, that happens. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun industry. Just it's a fun that. world. Researching, I feel like is half the, the joy too of, writing a book no matter what your research is you know you're just expanding your knowledge and but yeah um well i know that we're kind of running out on time so uh jeff i just want to thank you so much can you real quick tell us again uh the name of your book and where we can find it uh sure the name of the book is first second coming and uh, it's available on Amazon, Kobo, uh, Barnes & Noble, I think only has a hard copy. Um, those would be the main places that you could go to. There are a couple of those. Apple Books has it also. Um, 
but just go with those. And then if you have any other issues, there's my website is uh, Jeff Pollock, P-O-L-L-A-K.com. Uh, if you put a C in my last name, you won't get to it because my last name. Uh, you can get a list there. You can also sign up for my um, my newsletter if you're awesome. so inclined uh, on that uh, on that website. Well, thanks. Thank you. Oh, it was so great. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun uh, to talk with you. Keep reading. I guess stay safe. Keep writing. We'll keep doing stuff. And we look forward to book two. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Nowhere near ready, but I'm working on it. And we're excited to to get get you back on here once you have it. You can tell us how many. Okay. Okay, I will. I'll, All I'll right. Keep in touch. I'll keep in touch. Thanks so much, okay. Jeff. Have a great day. All right. Thank you so much, Lore Ladies listeners. That's a tongue twister. Uh, for listening to us today for episode seven, where we talk about our writing craft with our special guest, uh, Jeff Pollock. Um, please be sure to continue to listen to us and follow us on Instagram, on our websites. Sign up for our newsletters. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. Um, And reach out to us if you have questions. We would love to talk to you guys and hear what you think about the podcast or if you have any special requests. Um, You can also listen to the podcast and keep up up to date with us through our respective websites. Uh, My website, which is kind of up and running enough that you can go to it, is at lauralhoman.com. L-A-U-R-A-L-H-O-H-M-A-N.com. And then there's also Lauren's website, which is much more exciting because she has her book out for pre-order is www.laurenpetrazilka.com. And to listen to the podcast, it's backslash podcasts. Uh, So yeah, again, sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date as new episodes are available. Remember to subscribe and rate and save and share and thumbs ups and heart us. Um, And this will help us bring more episodes to your wanting and waiting and listening ear holes. Uh, Again, thanks for being here. Now go spread your love of lore and write a book.